Welcome back to the podcast. Round Guy here with Dave Johnson and our guest, uh, uh, part two of our conversation with Brian Downs, who is the executive director of the John Wayne Birthplace and Museum. Brian, again, hello, and thanks for being with us. Uh, this is a lot of fun. I appreciate the uh, conversation more than just doing a monologue on my own. As, as do we, sir. When we left off, you were about to uh, explain a little bit more in detail of the next big event coming up at the John Wayne Birthplace and Museum, and you were about to tease us with some of the uh, celebrity guests that may be on hand. So go ahead and finish up with that, if you would. Well, you know, we it's a very hard act to follow when we had Maureen O'Hara here, just even in, in when everybody in Hollywood was from the golden age was available, you couldn't have topped that, and we realized that. But we get as many of uh, John Wayne's uh, co-stars as possible. Uh, Robert Carradine, who played one of the boys in The Cowboys, has been here a couple times. Um, we've had uh, Christopher Mitchum, who was uh, John, Robert Mitchum's son, and he's, he's been here at least twice uh, for our events. Um, now, this year there's a movie called uh, Brannigan, and um, one of the uh, stars from that is the um, is the television star and movie star Leslie Ann Down. Uh, she's an invited guest uh, this year. Um, we also have the character actor Barry Corbin, who's in just about everything. Um, he's one of the busiest guys in the movies today. You might remember him from Lonesome Dove and um, oh, that uh, Urban Cowboy, and he was a star of the show um, uh, Northern Exposure. And he's just—he's always working. Uh, he was just on Yellowstone last week, as a matter of fact. Um, so he's been here a number of times, and he's looking forward to return. Um, we've had uh, musical celebrities here. We've had uh, country star Marty Stewart, cowboy singer Michael Martin Murphy, uh, singer Mo Bandy. Um, they've been here. Uh, this year we're going to have a uh, little western songbird uh, by the name of Corinne Marie. Um, she's our dinner entertainment. Uh, Glenn Campbell's daughter has been here, um, Ashley Campbell. Um, I know I'm leaving people out. Um, a regular, our most faithful attendee is John Wayne's daughter, Aisha Wayne, who goes out of her way to make time for everybody who wants to say hello, get a picture, get an autograph. And she's just um, one of our greatest assets. She's just um, so enthused about our project. She said something one time very interesting to me. Um, she was being interviewed by a TV crew that came to town when they heard she was here. And they want to know, what would your father think of all this? And she said, my dad, his whole professional life, understood his value to the studios. Um, he understood his uh, box office power. Um, he understood how the, the, his, what his salary would be and what a figure he was to America. But she said, never in his lifetime did he know how much he was loved. And that was a, that was a very sentimental and beautiful, thoughtful thing to say. Um, so, and that's what's expressed here by all the folks who travel really from around the world to be here on those weekends. Um, there's just a, a great love because in John Wayne, we see ourselves and um, he was the most common, ordinary fellow you'd ever want to meet once you, in the 1970s, I spent a day at his home and um, through my newspaper work and I was in awe of the fact that I was sitting across the table from John Wayne but it's so strange, I never thought of the movie roles. I never thought of Rooster Cogburn. I never thought of Ethan Edwards. I never thought of McClintock. I never thought of the characters. But I was very much aware of what a huge 
Well, wow. Wow. Let me, let me ask you this, Brian. Uh, it wasn't much of a secret that, that he wore uh, a toupee. That's correct. Now, was, was he uh, okay with people knowing that, or was, was he sensitive to the issue of, of uh, wearing a toupee, do you know? Well, at home and on his boat, he'd never wear a toupee. He would just uh, he'd just have a bald dome uh, with family and friends, or he would wear a baseball cap. And out in public, he'd wear a baseball cap or a fedora or or um, you know any any other kind of headgear. No, he was he knew that people knew it wasn't a secret, but he also didn't want to uh, disillusion them at the same time. For instance, on one trip in Vietnam around 1966. You see him with a group of servicemen um, in in some army camp somewhere, and did not have the toupee because he felt he had to be completely honest with those fellows because he had such respect for them. Um, no, but you can, without too much searching, you can find pictures like that. But he knew that he had an image to maintain, and that was extremely important to him. Wow. But I'll tell you this, I sat with him for hours and very close, just a couple of feet separating us. I never saw the toupee. It was on his head, but I, I was in awe of talking to him or he had a really good toupee, but it didn't occur to me until after I got home. I said, oh, I didn't notice the toupee. And even though I knew it, I wasn't looking for it. Right, right. And it was also uh, uh, well known that, that he was a heavy smoker. He was is that what took his life? I'm, was lung cancer the reason that, that uh, he passed? He passed. He had lung cancer in the early 60s, and he took it as a personal affront because everything he did, he did large. He ate well. He played hard. He drank hard. He smoked. He loved hard. Um, everything he did, he did to excess. And so there was, there was a reckoning day, and that came in the 60s when he had a, uh, a lung lobe removed. And he had to do the rest of his career up and had to work with oxygen nearby when he was at high altitudes. Um, but then what? Um, he succumbed finally in 1979 to stomach cancer. And people argue all day about what causes stomach cancer. And having had my own experiences with that, um, very learned doctors will tell you, we don't know what causes cancer. If we knew, we'd fix it. And I think that's the most honest answer you could you could think of. So I don't yeah. think he would like to accept the fact that he didn't take care of himself. Uh, I think if he had his life to live over, he'd probably do it exactly the same way. Hey, Brian, uh, you know, I, I was, you know, always watching John Wayne movies with my dad growing up and going into remember seeing True Grit in the, the movie theater with him, you know, and, uh, but I want to talk about a movie uh, that John Wayne made about his dad, I believe is either called old Sacramento or Oak California. I don't know if it had both names and then talk a little bit about the time he grew up in Iowa and a little bit of time he spent in Keokuk, Iowa, please. Okay. Well, um, the movie you're thinking of about his father, the only one that comes to mind is shepherd of the Hills. And that's where he reconciled with his father. Um, I'm I, I confess I'm not familiar with the storylines of the other two movies, but you want to talk about Keokuk. Um, there was a, um, oh my goodness, I, I'm drawing a blank here. There was a famous uh, California figure. Uh, I, I have the brochure here somewhere. Anyway, I was, I was out there at, a, at a, an event a couple of years ago, and Keokuk is extremely proud of their John Wayne connections. Um, and they, the 
community went all out to put on a uh, uh, movie uh, event. They did. We did a couple of John Wayne pictures. Uh, they had a dinner. It was just a fantastic event. Um, so, and I think they have a plaque somewhere of the home where Wayne and his father lived for a short time. Um, no, I'm, I wish I had been prepared for this. I would have had an answer for you. Um, anyway, um, yeah, Keokuk courses River Town and is a beautiful old, uh, beautiful old place. I enjoyed my visit there quite a bit. Um, not a heck of a lot to see from John Wayne's time. Um, and we have to remember that Wayne lived in several places in Iowa. He lived in Brooklyn. He lived in Earlham. Um, there were people on the move a lot, just looking for the American dream. Um, in you know, in the oh, here we go. Conrad Nagel was a uh, a movie figure, um, a silent movie actor and a uh, producer later on, and he he was the Keokuk uh, major figure from Keokuk. Um, but that was a, I enjoyed my visit there very much. The folks really rolled out the welcome. But what, what more can I tell you about Keokuk and John Wayne? There's just not a lot to tell. He went to school there for a short time, and as he did in, in other communities in Iowa. And the family left for California when Duke was about seven years old. So they really did not leave a huge mark on, on the state of Iowa, except that you can only be born in one place. Okay, we're talking with Brian Downs, the executive director of the John Wayne Birthplace and Museum, located in Winterset. Uh, Brian, uh, Dave talked a little about seeing John Wayne movies with his dad. Uh, similarly, my father would come home and, and uh, sometimes uh, he had stopped off at a watering hole much like the Duke, mm -hmm. and he'd come home and he would uh, grace uh, my brother and I and my mom with a an impression of John Wayne, and and uh, with the aid of a, a few alcoholic beverages. <laughs> That's a pretty uh, common story. Yeah, yeah. I I know my my dad was not the only one to do that. In fact. Back in the day when I was drinking, I gave it up a long time ago, but I, I, in memory of my father, I would sometimes attempt an impression. Much of the impression with John Wayne, though, was in his walk. Yes. And, and uh, as I said, I know my father wasn't the only one. Do you have any kind of a, 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 an ability there for people to do an impression of the Duke? Well, they're certainly welcome to. We had an event here one year with uh, country star Lynn Anderson, and there were three or four John Wayne impersonators uh, in the crowd, and they weren't part of our program at all. But um, a lot of, uh, they all took the stage with her at one point. It kind of got a little out of hand, actually. But they, they called themselves the Dancing Dukes, and which made me cringe a little bit, but I guess it was all in good fun because we certainly like to present John Wayne not as a character, and nor do we present him as a hero. We present him as a fine, fine actor with great American values, and we, we present his symbolism and what he meant to the country and to the world. Um, and I didn't think um, impersonators uh, went along with that, with that impression we were trying to present. Maybe they were more trying to do Daisy Dukes. <laughs> well, the crowd enjoyed it, everybody but me. Uh, I see. 
Let me ask you this uh, before we let you go. We sure enjoyed the time we had to visit with you uh, about the museum and the birthplace. What, what kinds of, it makes sense you've got a, a gift shop. What kinds of souvenirs and things do you offer John Wayne fans uh, in your gift shop? Well, uh, a popular item is a John Wayne stockade jacket, similar to what he wore in True Grit and a dozen other movies. It's like a canvas coat, but that he'd roll the sleeves up and, and a, a short coat. Um, we also have a selection of hats resembling John Wayne hats, um, a huge selection of books. Um, we have, uh, of course, uh, DVDs, plenty of those, coffee mugs, lunch buckets, calendars, uh, that kind of thing. And what's interesting to me, how John Wayne is different from so many other Hollywood figures, because name another Hollywood figure that has so much merchandise created in their name. I just simply can't think of anyone. There are a lot of huge actors in, in Hollywood's golden age. But it's just a little piece that people can take home, and it's literally a gift shop because more often than not, they're buying that for a, a brother or an uncle or a father who loves John Wayne, just a little souvenir uh, remembrance. My personal favorite are the books because I like to learn, and you don't learn a whole lot from a coffee mug, but you can uh, just you, you're never going to tire of reading on the subject of John Wayne because there's so many different facets to the man. Oh, that's great. That's but great. The gift shop is fully stocked. If you got a little tyke with you and he wants a cowboy hat, he can have that, or a stick horse, or he wants to read, or the movies. Movies are very popular. And yeah. uh, we know they're available elsewhere, but people appreciate buying them at the just steps away from the home where John Wayne was born. Is oh, it, yeah, it makes sense. It, mean, it would have a lot more meaning to it. Well, listen, uh, Brian Downs, Executive Director of the John Wayne Birthplace and Museum, we have enjoyed part two of our conversation with you and let's uh and we thank you for your time but let's finish off by again reiterating some of the social media and some of the uh, uh, web addresses and that type of thing that uh, people hearing us now can can go to their uh, computers after this and get more information and make plans to uh, to come down and visit uh your your museum Okay, uh, the website address is long, but it's very easy. John Wayne Birthplace, one word, dot museum. Okay, simple enough. And on Facebook is John Wayne Birthplace and Museum. Well, Brian, we appreciate your time and all of the information and inside stories. And your uh, next biggest event, you say, will be coming up next May, right? Memorial Day weekend, May 27 and 28. And well, any time's the time to visit, that's the time, because the whole town's John Wayne all weekend. Yeah, what, uh, what are your hours of operation? Uh, we are open at 10 a.m. daily until um, in the wintertime till 4 p.m. And um, in summertime, uh, 5 o'clock if you're still in the building. Perfect. Brian, thank you so much for all your time and your abundance of information about John Wayne. Thank you, and I'd like to talk to you after our program is over. Okay. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. We did, too. Thanks, Brian.